0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. If you've listened to the show, you know I'm a big fan of marketplace and marketplace dynamics. If you want to find key to marketplace success, there is a formula for that. That's exactly what we're going to talk about on today's episode of Start a Puzzle, which is powered by FullScale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and as a platform to help you manage that team. Go to FullScale.io to learn more. There's a link in the show notes to help you get there. With me today, I've got Sharish Nadkarni, who is a serial entrepreneur and author specializing in entrepreneurship, amongst other things. You can go to sharishnadkarni.com. Now, look, don't try to spell that. Just scroll on down to the show notes and click the link straight out of Medina, Washington. Sharish, welcome to Startup Hustle.
1: Thank you. Great to be with you.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving in. I love this topic, but before we get started, how about a little bit about your backstory?
1: Yeah, so I'm a native of uh, actually Seattle, Washington. I've been here for about 35 years. Uh, started my career at Microsoft in the very early days of MS-DOS, if you might remember oh, yeah.
0: that. I'm old enough to remember that. Yeah,
1: you're old enough to remember that. Um, and then um, I, uh, in 2000, I started a career as an serial entrepreneur. Uh, I've done multiple companies, had multiple exits. And now I focus on writing books uh, and investing in and advising startups.
0: So, you know, as an author of three books, um, I've learned that the best part about writing a book is finishing it. (laughs) So uh, Yeah, as far, all right. So, you know, we're going to talk today about the the key to marketplace success. And, you know, when we talk about a marketplace, I mean, a marketplace could could be an industry. Um, I think when it comes to, When I think about the marketplace dynamic, I often think of any location, whether it be physical or online where buyers and sellers meet to perform transactions. Um, When you think about marketplace and how do do you, let's start with your definition of it.
1: You're exactly right, uh, which is that um, marketplace is a gathering place where consumers and suppliers can meet uh, and they can consummate uh, transactions. Uh, marketplaces uh, can be two-sided. They can be multi-sided. Instacart is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. that they have cons- you know, consumers, they have grocery stores, they have drivers, and then they have advertisers, all part of that marketplace.
0: So you know, marketplaces are tricky by nature, and I think a lot of start. I've talked to so many startup founders, and you know, as as the CEO and founder at Fullscale, we help build a lot of stuff. And I have talked to a lot of entrepreneur hopefuls, and they often see. You know, let's kind of start with one of the problems that marketplaces have, and I think it's it's learning how to populate them because. A lot of times people will build a marketplace, whether it be a website or a store or a true market. If you don't have buyers and sellers in there, then you're going to have a very difficult time getting anything done. Um, And I think that a lot of startup founders and entrepreneurs, especially in the early stages, underestimate the difficulty of getting both of those parties together in one place to meet. How do you solve that problem if you're a brand new company?
1: You're exactly right. Uh, You know, there's a chicken or the egg problem, um, you know, getting uh, enough suppliers and consumers uh, so that you don't have an empty marketplace when you know people come to visit and buy things. Um, so um, th- I talk about that uh, in my book, um, Winner Takes All. Um, and um, one of the uh, strategies there is to f- initially focus on a small geography. So don't try to build a nationwide or global marketplace. Start by focusing on a specific geography, and then focusing on suppliers. Um, and to uh, you know, if you can get suppliers into your marketplace, uh, even without necessarily having them be official members of the marketplace, that's ideal. Uh, to give you an example of, of Instacart, which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, uh, when they got started, uh, the founder, Apuru Meta, um, he actually scraped content from SafeFist's uh, website to populate the grocery content on his site. And then people would place orders. He would then actually go to the grocery store, pick up the items and he would deliver them himself. Same thing with DoorDash. Uh, they started in Palo Alto initially and they populated their uh, website with menus of Palo Alto restaurants. And when somebody called in to place their order, they would turn around and then call that restaurant to place the order on behalf of the uh, consumer. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, those are scrappy ways in which you can get going and establish a strong marketplace.
0: Yeah. And, you know, for those of you, if you're still not grasping the concept, use a site like eBay, who
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is one of the kind of the original online marketplaces yeah. in many yeah. ways. and. Uh, you know, if you went to eBay and you wanted to buy baseball cards and there weren't any baseball cards, you're going to go somewhere else where there is a populated marketplace. So, yeah, I just felt yeah. like that was a good thing to lead in with. And, and you know, I, I really do talk to um a lot of startup founders that seem to, oh, we'll get all these all these sellers in there. Okay, well, the buyers, I, I don't know. I think one of the things that, kind of like you mentioned, that that's an interesting story. I didn't realize that about DoorDash. It doesn't surprise me that that's the way that it started. But in some ways, like you know, you, you need to do whatever you can to get both parties to go in there. And set some of the, the early lumps that you may have to take as a business is letting them in there for free or reducing fees or doing something
1: yeah. that
0: gives them an incentive to be in there. Cause guess what folks, there's a lot of marketplaces that sell a lot of stuff and there's a lot of competition for it. Now, um, you know, when it, 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 it now, if we talk generally in the marketplace, I mean, I I think that you know the number one reason that startups fail is a is a poor product market fit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe going with understanding what your customers need and want mm-hmm. is maybe a key component of that. Um, what what goes into that?
1: Um, you know, it's uh, you really need to um, make sure that you are uh, pursuing a um, opportunity uh, where there's a real need or real uh, you know, pain point. Um, you know, uh, going back to the examples of Instacart and and DoorDash. Uh, you know, uh, Instacart did really well in the uh, pandemic uh, because people were scared of going to uh, grocery stores, so there was a real need for online grocery, you know, shopping. Same thing with the DoorDash. I mean, people were afraid of going to restaurants, and both of these. Marketplaces really um, expanded rapidly uh, during the yeah. uh, the pandemic and that they continue to grow uh, since then. But they were addressing some real pain points and needs that people are willing to pay the extra fees uh, to order stuff online.
0: Now, now, with that, you talk about DoorDash, which there's competition for that. You've got Uber Eats. and. Yeah. And Grubhub, and there's other stuff out there. How do you create a unique value proposition for your marketplace when there's other similar ones out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, so you really have to. Uh, I mean, you're right. Uh, in the um, in, in in the uh, uh, food delivery uh, market, there were probably 50 different competitors at mm-hmm. one point. It was a very crowded uh, market, and then out of that, you know, it's become winner take most scenario with like uh, three different players doordash ubereats and grubhub are kind of some of the survivors that have uh remained in that marketplace but uh, let's take the example of doordash Um, um, unlike some of their competitors they actually focused on the suburbs uh, where there was less uh, competition and the order size was much bigger because families you know tend to live in the suburbs and you know they would be ordering food for their family um and so that was a Key way that they uh, differentiated versus uh, their uh, competitors. So each situation is different, uh, but you have to find a particular niche that you can focus on and then expand from that niche um, to other areas.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to call out which one it was, but there was a food delivery service that I three straight times couldn't get my order right. And I tried another one and they kept getting it right. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, that quality product or service sometimes can be that differentiator. I think that in the world of software and apps and stuff like that, um, I am at well, I do use DoorDash. I am actually really impressed with what they do. It makes it very easy for me to order. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's got, you know, I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. So the moment that I order food, they're immediately asking when dinner's going to arrive. So being able to actually, you know, the tracking mechanisms and stuff that are in there, but um, you know, once you get people into your marketplace and they're operating successfully, um, you're, you're to something, yeah. but make sure, but, but it's easy to lose them too. And yeah. uh, lack, lack of choice and diversity. And then uh, if you're running, if you just have poor quality and terrible delivery and you're a delivery service, you're probably not going to stick around. Um, yeah. Now for, for upstart businesses, one of the things I think if you have a marketplace component or dynamic to what you're doing, you're probably going to. Um, embrace a pretty high marketing and uh, you know marketing and and branding and just advertising costs in the beginning because no one knows who the heck you are. You have to go through. Uh, you mentioned like Instacart, um, which is big, you know, a big thing now. But so many people weren't used to that in the beginning. Um, do you think that? I mean, if you want to, if you want to be a key player in any marketplace in these beginning years, do you need to? a lot, an extraordinary amount of your resources and financing or in funding to brand awareness?
1: Uh, yes, uh, that is um, true for many of the uh, marketplaces like Instacart and DoorDash. I remember uh, with food delivery, um, I used to see ads from all the different delivery services uh, offering you know, $10 off uh, or free meal for the first a meal that you ordered and so forth, and it became a, became a very expensive uh, game. And and the way that um, again, Doordash and some of these players survived versus the other players who were either acquired or or failed, is that um, you know Doordash, as I said, you know focused on the um, uh, suburbs and and they could they could show that the unit econo- economics worked well, and then they were able to get funding. Uh, which is crucial for growth. And then use that funding to grow into other markets, continue to prove the unit economics. And that's how they grew. So funding can actually be a a key strategic uh, advantage, uh, assuming that you can show that the unit economics uh, work in your favor. So you always have to keep in mind the unit economics, making sure that your cost of customer acquisition and LTV are balanced. You know, generally they say your LTV to CAC or customer acquisition cost uh, should be uh, no less than, you know, at least three to one, if not five to one. So keeping that in mind is very important.
0: But, and that that still holds true to the point though, that it takes time to establish a lifetime value. If you got to get to the three to five to one over your customer acquisition costs, and in some places they, you it might take years. Uh, you know, there's a very interesting, uh, documentary about uber uh well well it's not a documentary it's a mockumentary i guess it's about the uber story and um you know talking about how competitive that was with lyft and they had other competitors early in there and there's one scene in there where uh, the, the guy the venture capitalist I can't remember what his name is in real life, but he's talking to the founder of Uber and he says, well, how sticky is it? He says, if they ride twice they you they're our customer for life yeah. yeah but you see what they went through. I mean you're talking you know in, a, in an effective pricing strategy in those cases they were losing tons of money. Yes. Just to get people in there and keep them because they needed them to have that second ride somehow. And sometimes that was giving away the first ride, but they knew that once they got them in there. So, and you know what? I looked back at that when I saw that and I was like, I, so I use Uber. I'm not, I don't need it very often. I've never even tried Lyft. I made it to that second. <laughs> I made it to that second ride and I was part of that sticky category because once again, now these are the more closed marketplaces. Like Uber obviously controls that marketplace. It might be a little uh easier to dictate what goes on and those kind of do you do you consider something like DoorDash is to have an actual marketplace?
1: Yeah, because uh they are basically uh, enabling transaction between consumers right. and restaurants. So yes, absolutely yeah. I consider you know, DoorDash, Uber, all of these are marketplaces.
0: Yeah. Now what about the pricing strategy on that? Cause that's one of the complaints that people will have about, we actually get our groceries at our house through Instacart and I don't mind the markup because the, that I value our time. Mm-hmm. at a lot higher than that, but that pricing strategy in the beginning, cause you know, here's the thing is that money, the money that, that, the marketplace operator requires to keep the marketplace going, um, it's got to come from somewhere. So it's either got to come from marking up someone else's products or taking a fee for participating in the marketplace. I know that a lot of, we've been talking about things like DoorDash a lot, a lot of the marketplace or a lot of the business owners, uh, they don't like those fees. Uh, yeah,
1: that's, that's true. You you have to be very careful about, um, I have a section of, about business models in my book. Um, you know, uh, you have to be uh very careful about uh, understanding the economics of the uh, suppliers who are in your, um, on your marketplace, um, you know, DoorDash, for example, you know, charges between 10 to 20% uh, take rate and, you know, restaurants have very slim margins and, and, uh, and then you have, you know, fees on top of that delivery fee and all that. So, uh, and, and you also find that uh, restaurant owners will actually mark up their, um, their menu in order to uh, pay DoorDash the fee, So suddenly, you know, a $50 order you know, becomes $75, $80 and becomes really uh, very expensive. And that can uh, depress uh, demand. So you have to be you know, careful about, of course, you have to make a profit at the end of the day, but you have to keep your costs down so that you're not charging too much in fees and, and making this uh, uh, you know, a very expensive proposition for your consumers.
0: If you're an entrepreneur that's wanting to or to either start any kind of marketplace or or grow one you've already got, what are some of the things that you're likely to not think about that are going to come up and be a big deal?
1: Yeah, I, I would say um, you know um, the, um, the, the the you know the challenge of you know fees uh, that. Um, you know, you uh, in order to be profitable, you know, you're spending a lot of your VC money, uh, right? And you're burning through all that cash. Um, there's a temptation to kind of layer in a variety of different fees over time to make your business more uh, profitable. Um, and uh, that's something that you don't really uh, understand, the unit economics, uh, until you get into it and you have to make a profit, especially as you go, uh, do an IPO, uh, you need to show that, you know, within two years of your IPO, you're going to be become profitable. Uh, and so you start laying fees and so forth, and, and that depresses uh, uh, demand from your consumers. So those are things that you don't really fully understand until you actually get into the uh, economics of the situation.
0: I feel like the cost of, of customer service and support yeah. is something that can be grossly underestimated. Yeah. You know, just meaning like you look at like and I know we keep using DoorDash as an example, but if half of your meal doesn't come, yeah. I mean, and, and I notice a lot of the the platforms have found ways to automate a lot of that because yeah. the overwhelming cost of people doing that or the inability to keep up with that at scale is probably very difficult and yeah you know like i said if they if if a delivery service forgets half your delivery and you don't get a reply on that for 2 days that's not very good so you got you probably you know you have some scalabilities scalability issues that could come up and i think another thing too is is <laughs> Well, continuing to adapt because, you know, we're talking about like DoorDash and that to me, that was like the third or fourth meal delivery thing because like Postmates was out there and a lot of other stuff first, you know, Grubhub and then you kind of see this, you know, who's learning to adapt and who's learning how to, you know, marketplaces can change. Uh, uh, I was a, a ticket broker for eight years of my life and you want to talk about that's a fully dynamic marketplace i mean fluid prices changing all day every day and the ability to adapt to things that were going on now like with event based stuff um you could have an outdoor event and now here comes a rainy day Mm -hmm. and something that you have that was very valuable one minute is now almost trash if you can even sell it and Uh, I think that your ability to, to, you know, successfully adapt to changes, and I don't know, continue to innovate and find new product. I don't know, find new people to put inside the marketplace. Mm. Um, I I know that a lot of marketplaces in general uh, really are 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 cash flow negative for so long. So,
1: yeah, right. Right. Customer service and support is is another big factor that um, drives the economics of the uh, of the business. And they've had to uh, tighten up on that. I'm, I mean, um, I remember um, there was an order I placed on DoorDash once, uh, uh, where the order arrived uh, like 45 minutes later than they had anticipated, which was already an hour, you know, and it turned out to be an hour, 45 minutes. So I complained about it, expecting that they would give me a $10 off certificate or something of that sort. But they didn't, they just... Said sorry, <laughs> but there was no compensation for me. Uh, so I, I suspect that um, that's happened because of the economics of the business. They just can't afford to give away, you know, free uh, free product or, or um, dollars off and so forth.
0: Yeah, you know. Now, <laughs> if we talk about micro marketplaces, my business is similar to that. It's very close. Now, you know, full scale is the sponsor startup hustle. And if you want to find expert software developers, it doesn't have to be difficult especially when you go to fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. And you talk about these like mini marketplaces. Now, I'm not a true marketplace because we're the only vendor mm-hmm. in there and we only let certain buyers in, but it feels similar to it. Um, asking the questions that match people up with the solutions um, is is the kind of data-driven decisions that I think a lot of marketplaces need to make. Um, you look at, at all these, I don't know, you look at you look at all these all these different things that you might see in an app or a website or a user interface. And you know, the it's the data driven decisions about each and every buyer or seller that can help you look, the more stuff you put in front of people that they're interested in, the more likely they are to stay in the marketplace. What are some uh, what are, what's some knowledge that you can transfer on about keeping people in the marketplace environment?
1: I mean, the biggest uh, way to uh, do that is to uh, ensure, you know, a wide range of suppliers. Um, so, you know, Amazon, for example, is um, very successful versus somebody like uh, uh, Walmart. I mean, uh, Amazon has 2.3 million sellers and, and Walmart has also tried to become a marketplace and they have only 50,000 sellers. And, and, uh, these days I can think of virtually any kind of need and go search for that on Amazon and there'll be a product to, um, that'll show up, uh, that satisfies my needs. So, uh, I'm not going to waste, you know, I'm not going to waste time searching on Walmart. I'm just going to go straight to Amazon because they have a, a wide range of uh, suppliers. To, um, to meet my needs. And, and uh, you know, uh, it becomes difficult for a supplier to be on multiple marketplaces because uh, just being on Amazon is a full-time, more than a full-time job. And so that's why you see many more suppliers on some somebody like uh, Amazon versus Walmart. Uh, it's very hard to multi-tenant uh, and be on multiple marketplaces.
0: I mean, Amazon's probably the king of all marketplaces in North America. I mean, yeah. I, at least by volume. And it's, you know, what's interesting is think about that, folks. You know, Amazon, well, Amazon does own some of the products they sell now, but they didn't start by making them. They'll go in and acquire some of the companies that they find to be interesting, and then they become Amazon's choice or something like that. But, you know, Amazon's in the logistics business, Mm -hmm. and uh, if we want to talk about data-driven decisions, they also may be the king of that. Amazon will look at an employee and uh, how many steps do they take, how many... How many times do they turn to the left? Do they turn to the right? What can we do to reduce that or streamline that? And it's because across hundreds of thousands of employees, two extra steps per person per day turns into billions of steps and wasted time. And they, that's where they carve out their margin and all of it. Um, And yeah, it's definitely data-driven. You know, (sighs) when When do you realize that your marketplace or your concept or what you're working with like what are some signals that it might not be scalable
1: yeah i mean it's it's a you know it's a totally a function of um, you know the uh the supply side of the equation uh if you're not getting enough suppliers um on your platform uh and as i said uh, you don't have to build uh a marketplace initially on a nationwide or global basis, you can just start on a uh, in a specific region uh, to make your life a lot uh, easier. Uh, but if you're finding that uh, it's getting very difficult to get suppliers on board, uh, then obviously you don't really have a strong value proposition. And and so you have to think about, you know, you have to be scrappy uh, like DoDash and Instacart to figure out how to get that content initially onto your, platform before you actually sign up the, uh, the supplier. So that's, I think a critical piece
0: of the equation. I think that goes back to that original statement that I made, you know, 20 minutes ago or about if you don't have buyers and sellers in there. And I think that's where, you, you know, you look, there are a lot of marketplaces. There's a lot of places to put your attention. And like you mentioned, the more of those you're selling in, the more balls you have in the air while you're juggling at the business. And, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult to attract a lot of new distributors or sellers of product if you don't have buyers in the marketplace. But if you have a ton of buyers, you might have a different problem of how how can I get these sellers in here faster? Yeah. Um, you know, and you also think about it as we look back at, you know, Amazon has got to go has gone through an evolution uh, <laughs> as well because you know they've had quality control issues they've had issues with uh counterfeit fake weird stuff coming in and you know that's back to that's back to uh you know a quality product and service that needs to exist because you as a buyer you only need to experience that one time i think that when you talk about being an amazon user and you know we are at our household um, you buy with it. Well, first off, it's easy to buy. There aren't a whole lot of obstacles. If you want to grow the marketplace, make it easy for buyers and sellers to do transactions. Yeah. Um, and I, you know that—that's what you're paying for when you pay the Amazon fees as a seller. You're paying for the logistics. You're paying for them to deliver it for all of it.
1: And yeah.
0: You got to have a little bit of, of respect and and understanding around that. Um, yeah. You building, know, that,
1: and, building that trust. Yeah. So. Uh, with your uh, consumers. Um, uh, is, is very important. Uh, I mean, we, today we have a lot of trust in Amazon. Um, you know, first of all, you know, you have the reviews and rating, uh, system. So, um, and, and what's interesting is that Amazon well, also had now, problems
0: with that too. Yeah. 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 I
1: mean, even that you want to go be
0: in like, and clean it up in mass. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh,
1: for sure. Uh, but, uh, these days, uh, Amazon is also including information about what, you know, what kind of returns the vendor is seeing. If you, so it's a, it's a signal to the buyer that, hey, if this, if this supplier has a lot of returns, don't buy this, this product. And if, even if you do, you, know, you have the ability to return it uh, most of the time with, at no cost to you. Um, so they made it really, uh, you know, they've created a lot of trust in the system that you feel comfortable buying products from vendors who are not Amazon. Um, and, and so that worked really well for them.
0: Yeah, I think the speed of delivery is yeah, is yeah. just the key part there. You know, I bought something on Amazon yesterday, and they brought it to me yesterday. All right, I'm always surprised when that happens. Yeah, and in I'm fact, I'm not have, used to that.
1: They have uh, delivery uh, options for like uh, you know 9 p.m. to uh, 3 a.m. in the mornings, and and uh, just the same day. Uh, it's just amazing what they've accomplished. So let's talk about things from a technical
0: standpoint. And, you know, I I always, when I talk to startup founders, I notice that most of the time their planning seems to all be structured around what to do to prevent the sky from falling, um, which is natural, but very few seem to be planning for what will happen if everything in the plan goes right. Mm -hmm. And, Um, there's, you know, some, you know, there's things that are, I don't know if you can't support the, if you don't have a scalable technology infrastructure, meaning your marketplace, if you are a tech, tech driven marketplace, you don't have the ability to have all of the buyers that are coming in. Mm -hmm. You can't handle that. You're going to just, kind of sully your own reputation in a hurry. Yeah. Um, but at the same time as, as businesses, like, yeah, I think the thing I've learned about, about building software is nine women don't make a baby in a month. So you can't just always, you have to go through an evolutionary process of, 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 you know, figuring out how to support the, the, Technology side of it. I mean, if it's always crashing or it's broken or something's wrong, then you don't really have much. What have you learned about that
1: over the years? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, investing uh, upfront for success is uh, is um, is uh, very important. Um, you know, one of the uh, uh, companies that uh, I started was was in the language learning space. And uh, over time, we had over 15 million members in 200 different countries, and we created a marketplace where we connected language learners with language tutors, and we had over 300,000 language, uh, you know, tutors. And so, um, and 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 the success came uh, pretty quickly. Um, so we had to uh, really scramble to make sure that, um, and and this was a time when. AWS uh, didn't really exist. This was in 2007. I mean, they were around. Oh, yeah, you
0: know? that, that, was, that was back when you get like a radio host wouldn't want to mention your website because the moment they did, they'd crash you.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was doubly uh, difficult for us to, um, to scale. But uh, these days, um, given the fact that you can um, build your system on AWS and you can scale up and scale down, you know, if you get a, you know, we had actually a mention in the New York Times and boy, did our traffic just go through the roof uh, uh, because of that. Um, and so uh, these days it is a lot easier to scale up resources on Amazon uh, for, for temporary uh, blips uh, and then grow beyond that. So things have become a little easier from in that perspective
0: yeah, I remember, yeah, I mentioned being in the ticket uh, event ticketing business, and one of the things we did was build actual marketplaces that facilitated transactions between buyers and sellers. And um, you know we had multiple that we owned and operated. but the main one that we had, which you know had a lot of search engine optimization success, We'd sometimes come to it and it would be crashed. And of course, at the end, this is in 2008, 2009. And, you know, there weren't the kind of notification tools to let you know. But what would happen would be that, you know, an artist or a performer or a band would announce a tour and everyone would get really excited and they'd go search and they'd find our website. And this big influx of people would just crash the whole thing because this was pre cloud.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: and it would exhaust the server resources, and you know, I, I remember that that one of our websites ranked first for the term Justin Bieber tickets. Wow! And I was terrified that Justin Bieber would announce a tour. Yeah, because it, was, it would it could have cra- at that point it could have crashed our website for days. You oh, know, wow. like it could and and bringing the rest of the marketplace to a, a, a well, not a good place. So. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there are. I mean, the world of technology has definitely caught up with that. And if you're not aware of what cloud servers really do, it means if you exhaust the ability for the server your your thing exists in, it will draw on on extra resources from all the servers that are around it and yeah. prevent a lot of that stuff. So right. Right. yeah, that's 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 a big thing. So you let's talk about your uh, your your uh, your your language uh, marketplace, did did that same software product also facilitate the conversations between the tutor and the student?
1: Yes. Um, so we had uh, that's a, a lot, chat That's based, a lot of bandwidth, yeah. Yeah, there was a chat-based system that would uh, allow um, language learners to connect with uh, tutors and then practice uh, over our network, yeah, yeah. Do you
0: think about that? You said there was 15 million users?
1: Yeah, in 200 different countries, yeah.
0: In two hundred countries. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That 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 seems like a lot to keep up with.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and like you mentioned, sometimes the things that you want as an entrepreneur, like did you say you had a Wall Street Journal mention?
1: Uh, New York Times. New,
0: New York, York Times. Times, okay, sure. You're like, God, I can't wait till we get that. And then you yeah. realize, oh my God, what do we just we got what we asked for? And that's a real thing. So
1: fortunately, yeah. uh, as you know, this was in two thousand seven. That's that's when we got started. And as I mentioned, AWS was also getting started at that point. Uh, over time, uh, we were able to migrate uh, our uh, service to AWS. And so things became a lot easier in terms of scaling the system.
0: That was probably 2009,
1: 2010. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, we yeah. were in that same boat. And I just remember yeah. that N- nothing, nothing's more frustrating <laughs> mm-hmm. than having buyers and sellers lined up and you can't open the front door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's definitely that's definitely an issue. All right. So, you know, so much of all of this is coming down to being able to run a sustainable marketplace. And I don't necessarily mean from the environmental standpoint, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, what are some of the tips that you learned about ongoing sustainability, keeping people interested? I think that uh, for those of of us that are old enough to remember using MS-DOS, um, is that a way to say that we're like fifty or older? Yeah, um, but yeah. So, but you know, we've seen so many things come and go. Uh, we go back to eBay. eBay's still out there. It's not quite the titan that it was when it first came out, but it's yeah. definitely sustained itself. What are <clears throat> what are some of the things you learned about keeping things sustainable and keeping people coming back? Um, you look at like you know, Facebook just launched Threads and got yeah. like. 100 million users, and then two weeks later, so it has a 70% decline. Yeah. yeah, And all that, meaning they're not doing a good job of pe- keeping people engaged and keeping people excited. I yeah. mean, what are some of the things you learned about how to do that?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, you have to, um, I, you know, in my book, I talk about metrics and what are some of the key metrics that you need to uh, track. Um, so, one of the things that you need to keep an eye on is the liquidity in the marketplace that, uh, you know, that uh, whenever I conduct a search, for example, that there are multiple, you know, suppliers uh, that can be brought to the attention of the uh, the buyer uh, or, um, you know, in the case of uh, Uber, that uh, if I uh, want to go on a ride somewhere that, you know, that I can get a ride in within five to max, you know, 10 minutes, right? So, um, as you um, uh, grow, um, you know, you may scale into uh, new markets. Uh, so you have to start all over again in establishing the marketplace in a different location. So that's one thing that you need to pay attention to. Second thing that you need to pay attention to is, you know, is supplier liquidity and time to uh, to close the sale and so forth. So there are a bunch of metrics that you need to track that, that I talk about in the book that are important to ensuring sustainability of your marketplace
0: i think some of the keys are well uh, don't underestimate how quickly people are going to forget about you yeah and what Mm -hmm. you do you know you got to continue to find a way to retarget the audiences. And, you know, I noticed that a lot, a, a lot of successful marketplaces are really good at that. They you get back to the data driven decisions. You know, you ever get an email from a marketplace you've been in and it's like, Hey, are you still interested in X, Y, Z? Cause we have some more of them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's retargeting. And, and look, the, it, it's going to take, some transactions before you're the go-to marketplace yeah. for a lot of people, just cause you did one. Doesn't mean you got them. You got to get in there two, three, four, who knows how many times before they turn to you first. And I think you got to continue to find ways to tell people there's something new. There's something different. There's, there's something that, uh, here's a reason to come buy something now like prime day, I mean, think about it. Amazon has literally created their own two day holiday Mm -hmm. and it, it's pretty serious, man. I, I mean, they do billions in sales on those days and, you know, and that's a reason for you to come in and buy stuff. It's a reason for sellers to stock up on their merchandise. It's a reason for them to get more competitive in that marketplace and it you know that's uh, in the world of sales and promotions that's often known as the coming event meaning like the event comes and it goes and if you you know prime day isn't there the third day yeah. you got to have a reason to buy so i think that that you know that's offering people value yeah uh, however that is and in that particular case it's a huge assortment of things that you didn't know you couldn't live without right tell you when in there, I've got to find a way to erase the Amazon app from my wife's phone during prime day every year. <laughs> Cause I, I, de- there are definitely a large assortment of things that we didn't know we could live without. Uh, you know, as we're running out of time, a couple of things, you have two books, you have winner takes all, which is a case study and how online marketplaces are creating modern monopolies. Uh, also, From Startup to Exit, An Insider's Guide to Launching and Scaling Your Tech Business, uh, which it looks like you co-wrote that with, with Tom Parks. And uh, those, are, those are available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. What do you know? In a, yeah. in, in a very effective marketplace, you can order those today, folks, and have them in two days. It's funny, as a, an author of three titles myself, a lot of people don't realize Amazon often prints these books as people order them.
1: Yes, uh, that this yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, I it, mean, and the, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's. A, I'm recording this on a Monday. At, we're at about noon here in Kansas City, and uh, according to Amazon, I can have either of your books by Wednesday. Yeah. Think about that, folks. They are going to print, most likely, print a copy of it.
1: Right. I think and, if they uh,
0: once they figure out your order flow, they may print a couple ahead of time. Sure. But, sure. But, but still, you know,
1: it's a good thing because I don't have to pay for inventory. Otherwise, I've had to, you know, print a certain number in advance, keep an inventory, pay Amazon for holding it, all of that. So that cost is all, you know, uh, got, gone away.
0: I got a funny story about that. For so, I wrote my first two books came out just a couple months apart. I actually wrote them at the same time, and um, I want I needed copies for myself, so I ordered twenty five hundred of each. Without truly considering how big that was. Mm-hmm. Like, so I had all of a sudden, I had a truck outside my office that had two pallets of my books. And the guy said, uh, Yeah, what do you gonna- uh, Do you have a forklift or anything to get these out of the truck? I was completely unprepared for that kind of delivery. So, and you know, if you don't know much about truck deliveries, oh. the driver isn't responsible for getting anything off the truck. That's your problem. Mm. But yeah, so we sat there for about 30 minutes, uh, mm. uh, looking like, looking like, you know, the volunteer line or trying to, st- people trying to st- stack up sandbags to stop a flood, you know, one box, one box, one right. box. And yeah we were a little sore from that the next day. So yeah, 5,000 books takes up a lot of space, but ordering one of each of Sharish's does not. So why don't you go ahead and do that. Uh, Here we are at the end of another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. If you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, Fullscale can help. We the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. Just go to fullscale.io where all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders at FullScale. We specialize building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more at fullscale.io. There's a link for that in the show notes. There is also a link to Sharish's website where you can learn more about him and his book and go grab a couple copies of that. Sharish, or Sharish, what would you like to say to everyone on the way out today?
1: Well, maybe I'll just uh, uh, you know, uh, mention that I uh, spend a lot of my time actually... Uh, Uh, Helping, advising uh, entrepreneurs. I'm a member of an organization uh, called TIE, T-I-E, which is a global nonprofit that uh, fosters entrepreneurship around the world. And I have actually a a program called TIE Entrepreneur Institute, which helps. uh, Which you know is a program with ten different sessions covering all kinds of topics from company formation to startup. uh, You know, uh, vetting your startup idea fundraising, et cetera. It's a great program to help you get started as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, on the way out, I, I got a couple of comments about marketplaces. I just want to go right back to that beginning statement. If you're trying to start one, give, get, you got to really dig deep into what it's going to cost to fill the marketplace, both from a buyer's and a seller's uh, perspective. It's, uh, I find that so many early stage founders are, are have a really good plan for getting one of the two in there. Yeah. Um, if you don't have both, you don't have a marketplace. You yeah. just have a place where a bunch of sellers or buyers might be hanging out. And I will tell you right now that um, any marketplace that doesn't have stuff for sale, buyers are going to walk in and walk right back out. It's yeah. the equivalent of a store with empty shelves. You're going to yeah. walk in, you see it right away, and you turn right back around. And getting those people to come back again, Mm-hmm. exponentially harder than it was to get them to come in the first time. Yeah. So yeah. give 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 a lot of thought to how you're going to do that and do what it takes to populate both sides of it. And then you truly have a marketplace and you might be onto to something. Cherise, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to catch up with you down the road.
1: All right. Great. Uh, great being with you today.
0: Thanks.